Welcome to Celebrate Cultivate, a podcast about celebrating the good in life and cultivating more of what you want. I'm your host, Kayleen Elise. My intention is to offer deep breaths and ideas for appreciating the magic in everyday life. I'm here to help you listen to your intuition, trust your inner wisdom, and act with inspiration. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Celebrate Cultivate. I'm coming to you from my maternity leave with some of the best episodes from the show. Today, we're revisiting one of my top picks, episode 64 with Amber Burns. This conversation offers an inspiring look at mental health, intuition, and creativity. Amber is a freelance writer, content creator, book nerd, And she even has her own podcast called Thank You for Asking. She's seriously one of my favorite people to follow online, and I think you're going to love her too. Now, on to the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Celebrate Cultivate. I have another guest interview for you today. Amber Burns is the editor and creative force behind By Amber Burns, and she's the host of an amazing podcast called Thank You for Asking. When she isn't blogging, podcasting, or posting to Instagram about books, travel, and lifestyle tips, she's a speaker, fiction writer, and works full-time as a digital marketer. On her 13th birthday, Amber asked her parents to buy her first domain name. She's been creating content on the internet ever since. What started as a side hustle making MySpace layouts has evolved into an engaged online community with women at the center. Connect and follow Amber on Instagram at ByAmberBurns. Listen to her podcast, Thank You for Asking, which also has a great Instagram at TYFA Podcast. And check out her YouTube channel. I'll share all of her links on the show notes for today's episode at KayleenElise.com. Amber, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yes, I've been following you on Instagram for a while, and I love, love, love your podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, the podcast is new, but it's definitely been um, a labor of love just getting it lifted and off the ground. <laughs> yes, now you can. Now that it's lifted and off the ground, you can kind of enjoy it a little more. That first push is a lot. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you know the feeling all too well. Yes, totally. And you know, the thing about your podcast that's really amazing is it just feels like an extension of you. Anybody who's followed you for a while, it just like feels like more of you, which is wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, that was definitely the goal to make it feel just familiar, especially because we launched it in March of this year. And I think we're a little bit collectively over experiencing unforeseen, unknown things. And we just needed something that felt familiar. That was something that like we had been missing out on. So I'm really glad to hear you say that. Yes. Well, that's the thing about the way that you share online and the way you show up. It's really inspiring because you have this like perfect mix of being real and honest while also keeping things pretty upbeat, which I especially appreciate in this, the light of the past year (laughs) plus now. (laughs) Yeah. Is that important to you? Is that like intentional? 
Definitely. I think that, you know, as someone who has garnered an audience and is holding space online or just space in general, I think it's important just to be mindful of the way that you show up, especially in seasons that are challenging or scary, like the one that we were in and still are in and have been since last year. And for me, I always want to be authentic. I always want to be true to myself. I can't be anything other than myself. I'm not a good actress, but I also want to use content and use community as a way to kind of play with my own creativity and create fun and beautiful and nice things even when everything else in life isn't fun and beautiful and nice so i'm always trying just to be honest and be transparent have like you know a good amount of vulnerability the the safest amount that you can as someone who is talking to people on the internet but also realistic about just life and the realities that we're all facing yeah yeah i can see how it would be kind of a delicate balance. So is that something you feel like you've honed since starting out on the internet at 13? (laughs) I mean, I definitely feel a lot better about what I post now than the things I was probably putting together at 13. (laughs) But it's, it's really something that just evolves with you because as I've changed, my content has changed. Like Five or six years ago, I wasn't even talking about books. And now that's probably one of the largest parts of my content. And so I'm just, I'm very open to kind of like flowing and not boxing myself into being one kind of person. And I think that that allows me to be a little bit more authentic and to not feel so stressed when it's like, oh, I really want to talk about this thing because nothing that I would talk about in my real life would be weird or out of place to talk about within my content. Totally. Yeah. That's one of the things that drew me to you was that it just feels kind of like cozy and like I could hang out with you and that you'd always have a good book recommendation for me. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) So you have many different creative interests and things in the mix. So what does your approach or quote-unquote balance of what you're doing look like for you? Like, how do you do it all? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like that's like the eternal question, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we all want to know what ever? other people are doing. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's funny in doing the podcast when I was first like putting the concept together, that was like my main question. It's like, how are we all doing this? And what I'm, what I'm realizing now going through those episodes and even just like in talking to you and trying to answer this question, if we're all asking how, how everyone else is doing it, I think the consensus is like no one has any idea. And we're just like all really flying by the seat of our pants. And like sometimes we're landing in good spots and we're doing the best we can, but there really isn't like an instruction manual. And so for me, like, I just, I'm really doing my best. I don't, I don't even believe in balance anymore at this point because I don't think I have any. I'm just like, oh, I want to do this thing. How can I, in this moment, do this thing as well as I possibly can? What do I know that will allow me to do it well? What do I not know that I need to learn or that I need to bring in other people for? Like, what are my resources? And so I do have my hand in like a few different things, but I think that I'm at a point now where I'm just like, very open to giving it my best. And that is my approach to everything. Like if I decide that I want to do something, whether it's YouTube, a podcast, creating merch, like I just am looking at it like, okay, here's the thing. 
how do you attack it the best way you can with what you have and who you are? Yeah, I really like that because then it's just based on where you are. It's not as based on what other people are doing or like what your 57 year plan (laughs) is. Like it's like right now in this moment, how far ahead do you look out and do, is that part of how you kind of plan what you're doing next? Or are you really focused on what's here and now? Yeah. If you would have asked me this like six years ago, I would have told you like, yes, I have a 10-year plan and an eight-year plan and a five-year plan. But I just, if last year taught us nothing else, it's like sometimes you just really need to give space for flexibility. And I'm definitely a planner. I'm not like a, I would not describe myself as like a go with the flow kind of girl, but I have learned to just be a little bit more flexible with my plans and to remember that like life is not static and it's kind of silly to try to plan out every detail for the rest of a year or a decade, knowing that we have no idea what those years and decades can really look like. So for me, I'm really like a month and quarterly planner. Like I'll set like quarterly goals. If I have a project that I really want to do, I'll be like, okay, I have space in quarter three to really start like thinking about what that is. And then based on that, here's what I need to do quarter after quarter or month over month to get a little bit closer to bringing that to fruition. But otherwise I don't plan like super, super long out. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right that we really did learn a lot about how life can totally shift in the most unexpected ways last year. And so I think a lot of people are probably pausing on those longer term plans. And I love looking at things like on a quarterly basis that, you know, the seasons change on a quarterly basis. It just makes sense. And we also change with the seasons, right? Like I'm sure people are still starting to get that like, oh, there's more sunshine. I have more daytime energy. Like we have to honor those things. I really do believe in that. And so like I am a different level of productive from like May to October than I am from October to April. And I think that that's okay. Like weather changes you, light changes you, things that are happening changes you. Like you cannot expect yourself to be going as hard in December when there's like a holiday every other week um, than as you can in May. Yes. And having that realistic expectation can really help you feel better when your productivity or your energy level changes. Like you're not a robot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So how does your intuition play into your creative pursuits and how does it guide you? Yeah, that's another really good question. I think for me, I feel the most confident in the work that I'm doing when I know that I'm listening to my intuition. And for me, when I say like listening to my intuition, it's like a mix of trusting myself, my inner voice, and also like trusting God in a larger purpose and knowing that it's not all about me. And that is something that I should feel good about because then it's not all on me either. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I'm thinking like, should I do this project? Or even if it's like, should I do this post? Or should I like change these colors? Or should I introduce this new content? It feels really good when it's coming from a place that just like checks yes in all of those internal boxes. And I never want to do anything just because it seems like the thing people are doing or it's just like 
something that is a quick way to grow or get success. I never want to do anything that pulls me out of my intuition and pulls me out of me because I feel like when you do that and you disconnect from yourself and your purpose, it you start to do things that may be working and like they're getting you where you may want to go, but you don't feel great. And I want to feel great when I'm doing the things that I'm doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because I know for myself and a lot of my clients and people I've talked to, it's, there is a certain kind of despair that you experience when you achieve a goal that you set and you're not even happy about it because it wasn't rooted in like your truest desires and alignment with your intuition. Exactly. Exactly. And it feels so bad. (laughs) It feels really bad. And then you feel bad for feeling bad because you're sitting back and you're like, I have the thing. Mm -hmm. And the thing supposed to be what brings you happiness, but it's not. It's being in alignment with who you are and your intuition and your purpose that makes it all click. You can't, you don't get to do one without the other. Absolutely. Have you always felt a strong connection to your inner voice and to your intuition? Definitely. I think I can remember feeling the most like rooted in it while I was in college because college was so hard for so many reasons. It's like I was a super overachiever. I was stressed out all the time because I was always trying to overachieve. Mm -hmm. Um, I took on way too much responsibility. And then college is also just like a huge transition, right? Like you're moving out for the first time. It's new people. I was in a new city you have so much autonomy over your life, but also still so much is controlled and there's so much expectation. And I can just remember always just having those moments where I was like, this is right. I would make a decision and be like, this is the right choice. Or you need to say no to that. And it's going to be weird to say no to it, but that is the right decision. And just always hearing that discerning voice. And I really just know that I would not have gotten through some of the really, really hard times in college if I hadn't had the clarity to listen to that voice. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm like playing out the scenarios in my head and like talking through that inner voice in my head, it always sounds like my grandmother <laughs> who passed when I was six years old. But like, that is the voice where I'm just like, okay, this is, this is clear. This is good. I feel good about this. Like it doesn't, it might be weird the way it looks, but it feels right. Yeah. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that, but I love the idea of it being connected to my grandmother because she's amazing. But yeah, it always does feel like just like simple, straightforward, calm. And you're right. It doesn't always make sense to the mind. I think that's like one of the things that trips us all up the most is like, are you serious? This is what you want me to do? (laughs) Why? Hmm, That doesn't seem right. (laughs) Yes, totally. Uh, But you're right. Like looking back, it is for me as well, something that has really like helped support me in making big shifts, but also like you said, picking, changing colors and doing small things too. Like you, you can tap into your intuition for all of it. Yeah. Especially when we're always so stimulated, Mm -hmm. there are so many things that are causing us to ask questions of ourselves and make decisions. Like you go on Instagram for 20 minutes and you'll want to redo your whole house, like in no time, because you see so much, there's so much to respond to. So having that voice to be like, hey, like your living room is actually good as it is. Like we intentionally did it like this because of these reasons. And to always have that like that backing voice, I think is just something that we all need to be connected to. Yes. And you're right. It does help like ease the mind and find a bit of like calm and appreciation for where you are because your inner voice and your intuition also know that 
you're on the right path. You always are where you are and that like everything you desire is going to happen. It's just a matter of timing. And so it can be really supportive in that way, especially if you've been scrolling Instagram, which I know you and I both do quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Probably too much. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you share a lot about self-care and mental health and journaling. So are these things that have always been important to you? I don't know if they've always been as important as they should, but I think I reached a point where I realized as they were becoming more important that it's something that we weren't really talking about in a real way. Like self-care really became a thing a couple of years ago and it was like the trendy thing. It was like face mask and bubble baths and stuff. But the more, I think the more I got into my therapy journey and just dealing with my own mental health, like getting, learning how to better manage anxiety and learning more about depression. It really made me think and understand that self-care is sometimes like the really hard, ugly stuff, but that stuff is just as important and ultimately will make you feel just as good as the light and fluffy self-care. So I think just the more I learned about what it really means to take care of yourself as a person and as an adult and as a woman, the more important those things became to me to talk about. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And of course, the the harder things aren't as marketable by brands, mm, right? Or aren't totally. at all. So nobody's going to talk about that unless individuals are kind of making that a priority. Was that a conscious choice for you to be more outspoken and share part of those parts of the journey too? At first, no. Like it was definitely not intuitive to start talking about mental health so openly, especially when I mean, and I'm sure you know this, just like in seeing what people are talking about, I think some forms of mental like illness are more palatable than others. Like, I think when I first started talking about anxiety, it was definitely out of my comfort zone, but I knew that that was something that was kind of almost acceptable. Like everyone is okay with mentioning they're a little bit anxious, yeah. but not as many people are comfortable with talking about like what a depressive episode looks like. Mm-hmm. And I still think there are other things like other mental illnesses that I haven't experienced that I hope that people who do experience them feel comfortable to share their voice and their stories so that those things become destigmatized. Like, I don't think that there are nearly enough people talking about what it is to live and be bipolar or schizophrenic or be um, neurotypical. Like there are so many different things that we just don't understand how to talk about. And we don't have like that everyday language for, because we don't give everyday people the opportunity to really authentically vulnerably share their stories. So I wasn't comfortable right off the bat talking about, especially some of the deeper or darker parts of like my therapy journey, or just like living with anxiety, the reality of having a panic attack. But the more I've done it, the more I'm just I'm hoping that it's opening up space for more people to feel comfortable, no matter what they're experiencing or dealing with, to own that space and share their stories as well. Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And you really are a leader in that. I feel so much like comfort and safety, even in hearing you share your story, which I think is part of the process. Yeah. It's a lot. And I I know I keep saying like in the last year, which is at this point, like the new cliche, but there's just so many things that are so commonplace that we talk about as if they're like strange, especially issues with like 
mental health care, health care in general, women's issue, child care, caregiving in general. Mm-hmm. And we've spent the last 12 months like, oh my goodness, this is all really bad and way more people are struggling with it than before. And I just hope that as the world kind of goes back to whatever the new abnormal is going to be as we reopen things that we don't lose sight on, how important it is to really make these things a part of our everyday conversations. Yes, because ultimately that just creates more wellness for everyone. Exactly. Like wellness shouldn't be a privilege. It should just be something that we all have access to. Absolutely. How do you prioritize and and make it something that you fold into all of these different aspects of your life so that you make sure you're maintaining your wellness? Yeah, I definitely have to be intentional about it because I think I'm a natural worker bee. Like when I start, it's really easy for me to just like hop out of the bed and sit at my desk and like start doing things. Mm -hmm. But that's not the best approach, especially for like the season of life I'm in right now. That is just not ideal. So I try to build in little habits that when they all come together, make up like the one big wellness picture. Like, okay, your alarm goes off. Can you make the first thing you do not scroll Instagram? Can you actually like eat something real for breakfast and like sit and eat it instead of eating it while you're logging into Gmail? Um, Can you like set a realistic bedtime for yourself? So adding therapy appointments like to my calendar a couple weeks out so I don't always have to worry about scheduling one. It's like those little things that all together builds up just really, really, really good wellness practices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like you're always reminding us to drink more water and yes. (laughs) And you're always honoring the rituals of coffee, which I truly appreciate. (laughs) And you do talk a lot about journaling. Is that a practice that's important to you for your wellness? Totally. I've been journaling, I swear, since I could write. And I think I've just always loved words and I've loved just like putting my thoughts on paper. And for me, as someone who like deals with anxiety, it's just such a good way to like honor all the things that are like jumbling around in your head without giving them as much space to occupy. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, here are all the thoughts I have. Here are all the concerns I have. Here are things I just need that are just there that I need to put someplace so I can focus on the things that do matter, that are priority. And so journaling for me became just like probably one of the easiest to utilize and most helpful tools in managing my mental wellness, just because it was easy for me to consistently do it. It didn't require me to like get up and do anything strenuous. It was just really the process of picking up a piece of paper and a pen. And for me, I don't put any weighted expectations on like what classifies a journal entry. Like if I write five words and fill up a page with just those five words, that counts. That's a journal entry. Mm -hmm. And so because it was so low lift, even when it's like, okay, I don't feel great. I'm kind of sluggish, but it always seemed like something I could manage to squeeze in. Yeah. Yes. I like that. It is accessible. And especially if you kind of lower your expectations, I think that's one of the hurdles with journaling is people feel like they have to write dear diary and like journal Uh the whole day and all this stuff. And it's like, you don't have to be Virginia Woolf to journal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. In fact, none of us can be her. That's already happened. Already done. (laughs) Yes. When it comes to identifying the difference between anxiety and intuition, do you have any thoughts or advice on that for people? 
I do because I know that for anyone who's ever dealt with anxiety, sometimes that feels like it's pulling you the same way that your intuition will. And the same way we can have positive internal thoughts, we can have negative ones. And it's important to be able to know what confidence and clarity sounds like to you and what it doesn't. I think that's a big thing. And for me, I always know that my anxiety is talking to me when it's asking me to act really like sporadically and everything feels like it has to be so immediate and so extreme. It doesn't make me feel settled. It still makes me feel like riled up, but intuition feels the opposite. When I'm like grounded in intuition, when I'm making a choice that I know, I'm like, yes, this is me. I'm on the right path. I'm listening to the right voice. I always feel a sense of calm. Even if I'm doing something scary, I always feel a sense of calm. I feel very confident and I just feel certain. Like I'm not still asking questions and second guessing myself. And anxiety will almost always make you second guess your choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The other thing I'm curious about, if you've experienced this, it's something that I play with a little bit is that intuition feels like it comes from a deeper place in my body versus anxiety and worry and thoughts, which tend to hover around my neck and head area, whereas intuition is like deeper. Is that something that you've felt at all? I don't know if I've felt that. I love the way that you paint that picture though, because my immediate thought was anxiety comes from the head, but intuition comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. And I do feel very aligned with that breakdown. Yeah. We'll just see what happens, I guess, here in the future if you pay attention to like, where is that data actually coming from? Yeah. Because it's interesting to kind of, we aren't necessarily taught to think about the location of things in our body. And we almost interpret everything as coming from our headspace because that's where we speak from and that's where we hear from. But there's so much wisdom in our full body experience and even beyond that, that um, it's just an interesting thing to kind of play with. That's a really interesting perspective. And I love that you called out that we aren't really taught to associate those deeper things with the location in the body because so much of how we're taught to engage and interact with our body is all about the external. We only focus on the internal when something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we can only, right. we're only ever asked to like identify like a pain level or like, oh, where does your head hurt? Where does your stomach hurt? Like we're never just taught to like identify when your body feels right inside and what that's like. Mm-hmm. So some of us have never, we could never even describe what that would feel like because we've never been asked to see our bodies that way. Yeah. Oh, I could cry. That's like so it's, true. Yeah. All the things we have to unlearn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fortunately, if we're lucky, life is long and there's always more to learn. And it's conversations like this that can give us just a little tiny taste of something different to look at. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm happy that we're having this conversation. So am I. This was great. Mm -hmm. Well, I have three more rapid fire questions for you. Okay. (laughs) First, what are you celebrating? What am I celebrating? Right now, I'm celebrating my family. I'm just, Mother's Day just passed and we were together and I'm just so grateful to have the family that I have and the support system that I have. Like, I could not be more blessed when it comes to the family. Hmm. What are you cultivating? What am I cultivating? So this one is specific to the season right now. In February, one of my best friends had a baby. 
and I'm that baby's godmom. So hi, baby Leah. And right now I'm just trying to cultivate like good habits to think about the new generation because it's so crazy just to be in this age now where friends are having babies. Like the next generation is like being born and just trying to make sure that they have really good things waiting for them as they grow up. Oh, I love that. As somebody who's pregnant at this moment, like that is such an amazing thing to think about. And just, yeah, I, I'm growing the next generation. I haven't even, that hasn't even occurred to me. <laughs> um, so thank you for bringing that up. And I love that. What does that look like for you? For me, it's really just doing the hard work mm-hmm. and confronting all those things, all these things we have to unlearn, right? Like, and changing the way that we speak about them because we're not going to be able to overnight like disrupt society and like flip the switch and everything is different now, but we can at least work on finding the right way to talk about things so that when the next generation is old enough to do more of that work, they're in a better position to understand it than we were. Yes. Yeah. Considering continuity and understanding that it doesn't stop with us is a really helpful way to look at things, especially Mm -hmm. when you are facing challenges and topics and ideas that feel helpless or like they've never changed or they're never going to change. Considering that it will happen over time and what can you do now to support the next generation? That is, I love, love, love that idea. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Is there anything of all of the things that you're creating right now that you're especially (laughs) excited about? The most exciting thing I'm creating right now, honestly, is happening offline. And that is my bedroom. I'm working on (laughs) I have had this really strange habit as I've like moved off on my own of like just never really settling fully in. And like, I did a good job of making like my living room feel nice and cozy and it feels like a home in there, but my bedroom feels like a pit stop and I'm ready for it to just like feel like a complete bedroom. Like I want it to make me feel like, wow, I can't wait to rest when I come in here. So like I'm going small, like little by little, but just adding some more like artwork to the walls. And I want to get some new like furniture in there. Like I desperately need to get a new bed. I'm that person that's just been like moving the first bed she's had since like right after college and acting like it wasn't like the worst bed I probably could have bought. And just like really bringing that room to the state where it's like, it's serving its purpose. Yeah. Yes. That's, you know, our bedroom was the last on the list as well. So I don't know what it is. It's the thing that people don't see. because no one sees it. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, like, I can have people over and they need to sit in a cute living room, but they never have to see my like bare walls, like mismatch, like bedding and stuff. Like they won't know. Yes. And you are asleep for a lot of the time. So it's also like you don't experience it, but having a bedroom that feels like a retreat and a safe place to land is just as important as anywhere else and maybe even more. So I love that that's what you're creating. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited just to like wake up and be like, oh yeah, this is my bedroom. Yes. Do you have any plants in there yet? I do have a plant in there. I have a snake plant that's been in there for a while, doing really well. Probably needs to be repotted, if I'm being honest, because they grow so quickly. But Mm -hmm. I want to bring in a little bit more greenery for sure, just because I love the idea of just having like life around your house. I think it's important. Yes. I didn't have any houseplants until 
COVID hit. And then I was like, really? oh, yeah, I just had always said, oh, I'll, I'm raising humans. So I'll just yeah. keep them alive and plants can I'll deal with later. But then when quarantine arrived, I realized that so many of the spaces I really enjoyed around Austin have a ton of plants, like mm. my favorite co-working space, my favorite hotel lobby that I always hung out in. And I, so I was like, oh, I'm really missing that. And so I mm. went to the sill.com and ordered a bunch of plants and now they're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting to how fast people go from having like no plants to like 30 plants. That's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit though. So I just keep buying the same type of plant because I'm like, if I can keep it alive, it can stay. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, you can play with adventure, but it's definitely nicer to buy a plant and keep it alive. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, Amber, thank you so much for being here and sharing your magic with all of us. It's been a true delight. It was great. Thank you so much for letting me into your space and letting me share. Yes. Well, I will be sure to share all of the links to find you in the show notes, but for people who are listening, who now love and adore you like I do, (laughs) what's the best place for them to follow you and your journey? So you can find everything I'm doing always at byamberburns.com and I am at byamberburns on every social platform and my podcast is Thank You For Asking. Wonderful. Well, friends, I'll be back next week with another episode. I'll talk to you then. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Visit KayleenElise.com for links and notes from today's episode. Connect with me on Instagram. I'm at KayleenElise. Please share this pod with anyone who could use a little extra magic in their everyday life. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'll talk to you then.